0: Welcome to Optech Insights, where we talk operational excellence, the nerdy tech stuff that drives business, makes workforces effective, and keeps supply chains moving. It might not be sexy, but it sure as hell matters. Your host is Todd Greenwald, Third Coast surfer by weekend and supply chain tech wizard during the week. With guests and content from every industry, get ready for insights that could transform your operations. It's Optech Insights. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is your host, Todd, from Optech Insights. And today I'm excited to have my good friend from RCS Secure, Randall Ac, joining me. Randall, great to have you on the show today. Thank you. We're going to be kind of digging into cybersecurity and some interesting domains for you to think about. So Randall, I think it'd be good maybe to start out with you kind of giving some background about yourself, where you come from, and some of your background that you have from your past.
1: Yeah, I've been in this industry and information security for a little over 20 years. Um, Started out with the United States Air Force, focused heavily on certification, certification, accreditation processes and cryptography. Did that for about six years and then got pulled into the world of retail uh, as PCI was taken off. Encryption was kind of a marriage along with that. Worked on that for quite some time. Spent quite a bit of time becoming head of infrastructure and security as a for a large portion of our e-commerce business, and then from there became a CTO at software-defined perimeter company. So in that span of twenty years, covered a lot, but always focused heavily on
0: information security. I know your background is quite impressive, and I can definitely appreciate all the, the things you've you've accomplished. You know, I think with cybersecurity, there's a lot of challenges when you start peeling away the uh, layers of the young end. And I thought it might be good to start by getting into like, what's one of the trends that you're seeing today in security risk and the compliance landscape?
1: From small mom and pop companies to large enterprises, they're all dealing with the same types of issues, right? So when you think of compliance, when you think of regulatory compliance, when you think of cybersecurity, there's a line that draws them all together. And I think what's interesting, especially now versus maybe five years ago, is the advancement in cybersecurity threats. And so as you think of the concept of advanced persistent threats, and and even to the degree where you have log J4 issues, it's just you have very more advanced type cybersecurity issues. And so with that, you then have how do you communicate to the board? How do you communicate to the C-level? How do you communicate to the teams? And having a what I would say, a accurate and congruent approach from the KPIs and discussions that you have at a board level to the technology that you deploy, it's, it's a difficult challenge, and and it's one in which historically larger corporations, you know, you'd have an army of people to solve this. You'd have a whole compliance division, you'd have your infrastructure division, and those are the folks that generally were targeted. And now it doesn't matter. You could be a five man mom and pop shop. If you've got an internet connection, you're just as vulnerable as, as a large enterprise. And so I think what what's difficult and what I've seen at least in the last two years is that bar being raised for the smaller people in the in the business.
0: You know, you mentioned about compliance just a, a minute ago and you got me kind of thinking about good security hygiene and can you maybe kind of explain about what continuous compliance is all about?
1: I always tell people, you know, compliance is never a one one shot stop. You know, you come in, you get to a certain level, you get a certification, life's life's good, you move on. Um, it's just like in an IT uh, group within a company, if you're going to provide a service, it, there there's a life cycle to that service, and compliance is no different. Um, compliance has a life cycle, and it's and it's continuous; it never ends. And so, understanding. What you need, maybe it's, you know, you're talking about vulnerability management or or maybe you're talking about incident response. Regardless, there's always kind of this closed loop process. And the closed loop process for like vulnerability management is pretty simple. You know that you have certain amounts of vulnerability scans that you gotta perform depending on whether or not you're doing it for a regulatory reason or whether or not you're doing it because you're practicing good hygiene. What you're what you want to make sure you're doing is you're not just running a scan, creating a spreadsheet and saying, okay we're scanning things, we know our, our vulnerabilities are. It's about checking balance through the whole process. And so you may run a scan at the beginning of the month, you'll assign tickets, you'll validate that scan at the end of the month and you'll do that through a quarterly process and you report on it. Incident response is no different. When you have an incident, you open it up, you go through the whole process of the incident response life cycle. And when it's done, it's closed off, it's validated and, and then chances are you're ready to do it again. That repeatable process, you're able to do that when you have a framework, and you're able to do that when you have goals that you're measuring. You're not just doing kind of, you know, one-off, quick knee-jerk responses to maybe an incident that you had. It's about being a little more proactive and putting putting the the time and effort into managing it through the full life cycle, which is your business. Um, you're never not going to have new vulnerabilities coming out. It's not it's just we're in a time and time and place where that's never going to go away. And so you recognize that in order to do business, in order to have the the exposure that you want to understand, not necessarily your footprint, but what does my cybersecurity look like, and what is the maturity of my cybersecurity, and how am I measuring that, so that I am aware, because willful ignorance isn't something that people are are willing to deal with in in this area anymore.
0: Well, it's a very serious topic. That's for for certain. And you know, from coming from your background from all the things you've done from DOD to running in retailers to uh, even in the position you are, have today at RCS, when you're dealing with an executive in an in, in organization, how do you position this importance of continuous compliance then and what they should be focused on having said that?
1: When I'm positioning things for C-level, generally a lot of what we do is positioning for budget. And so people are trying to identify what is it for the year they need to do to keep their business alive and keep their business strong and where are they going to improve? And so we coined the term security enablement so that people understand that security is part of every position of the organization. And so whether or not you're the chief financial officer or whether or not you're the chief marketing officer, or whether or not you're the CEO, there's different ways in which you communicate the importance of continual compliance. And with the CFO, it's, it's more about the financial play. And so you're explaining how you're going to solve problems that they got to solve, whether they want to solve them now or solve them later, you can do it in a more efficient methodology with a longer term approach, just like most things in life. Right. Right. Um, And with the marketing chief marketing officer, you know, it's important to understand reputation management, how that plays in with omni channel concerns and things of that nature. Nowadays that all has to have a, a, a cohesive strategy and a cohesive approach.
0: Just to make sure I understand that. So are you saying that you're, Working with individual leaders then and participation, or is it a, a different type of approach when you when you go at it this way?
1: Generally, what we'll do is we'll work with the CISO to work with those groups. They all have a different, it's a different flavor for them. So while you might be working on something that's related to vulnerability scans, in the instance of, of finance, it might be an old SAGE system. There's a lot of old SAGE systems that are out there, and there's rationale and reasons why they're on that platform but there's additional costs because it takes more to secure the platform. And so making sure the CFO understands that and has a full picture of the cost of their decisions is one good example. On the flip side, when you get into regulatory compliance, um, you know, maybe they're going through a SOC 2, you know, or SOC 1, SOC 2 certification or something of that nature. There's different levels of generally you start getting into role based access and and how those things are managed provisioning deprovisioning more financial based efforts that need to be secured different different streams of onboarding offboarding when maybe you're even talking about your vendor management office how are you managing the connections between your vendor and yourself sometimes that that will include different people and so understanding which c level has responsible for for what actions and generally working with your CISO to get there is, is, is the best way, best course of action.
0: Now, switching gears a little bit, there's a lot of advancements just in technology as a whole. And, you know, we see all kinds of things from our perspective where we're at. But, you know, one thing I was kind of curious around like artificial intelligence and machine learning, and is, is that aiding and helping with securing environments and being more aware? And as well as like, how is that helping with trends and predictions of, yeah. Of all that information?
1: No, so I think absolutely it does, if used correctly. So I think what you have to realize, we use advanced breach detection. And what really that becomes is it's a correlation of anomalies that you see that you, you put together, you come up with a rationale, you take an action. The the thing that you have to understand is you have to have context to that rationale. And so for AI, it, it's a great concept in most cases, you just have to make sure that you're using it for the right reasons. And so point solutions with AI are great if they match up with everything else that you're doing. So a good case in point would be email. You, you may have great AI detection for um, spam to some degree. Your firewall yeah. may have some AI detection on it. But at the end of the day, if you have an FTP server that's wide open, yeah. um, you really haven't gotten a lot done. So that's I mean, it's true. It, it's, it comes down to that idea. Um, I'm a big fan of pulling telemetry. I think the more you have context to, the more secure you are. You and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. And so what you can really harness is is understanding the intelligence within your AI um, and making sure that your projected outcome, what you're looking for is really what's the type of information that's going in. And so putting a little love and time into tuning, just like any good old school IPS system. Uh, It's no different nowadays. You just, you don't want to just hit the easy button. You want to understand what you're getting out of it.
0: You know, and I think with the amount of data and all the inputs and logs that can be out there, it can be pretty overwhelming. That's why I was kind of wondering about AI and machine learning and how it can help. But I guess the second part is, you know, going back to, you know, is there any trends or certain predictions that you could maybe say, well, This is what it might look like in the future.
1: Well, I just think we're going to continue to get more rich telemetry. I think the lakes are going to get bigger. They're going to become oceans. And I think that the intelligence on top of that is going to have to catch up. So as you, just like anything, as you get access to more information, it's what can I do with this information? We're just now starting to pull telemetry from IoT devices. You know, it brings a whole different scenario to the table. The more data we get access to, the more advancements we're going to have. But it's an, at this point, it's hard to say because we look at the interconnectivity that we have, you know, as to previous 10 years ago. That alone creates challenges that also create a lot of opportunity. And so no different to in, in what we're doing around these data lakes is the more, the more telemetry and the more information that we get, the more opportunity we're going to have to make sense of it. It's just what are we what are we solving for? We're going to be solving for pulling information from trucks that are going from point A to point B. When historically it was just trying to get GPS information, now we can tell you if there's a spark plug not firing correctly, right? I mean, the amount of data you yeah. can pull from a vehicle is insane, and then you match that up with weather, and you match that up with whatever else is going on in the world. You can start pulling answers to questions and and i think that's really where Mm. you got to get to is you want to find answers
0: so you got okay now you got me thinking because i know we're you're getting in a space that a lot of our listeners come from quite a bit and and anything in supply chain where we have trucks or uh, we're trying to get a dc with different types of technology implemented or manufacturing and such um you know, are you seeing attention to things like IoT devices? And, and what about that? And, and how do you track other things that are, are, uh, you know, vital to the business, but maybe traditionally not paid attention to from someone focused on securing the data center, the workstations uh, network and such?
1: Absolutely. Well, and it's kind of twofold is one, now you've got kind of a um, non-standard operating system on your network, but also what's really happening is at the same time you're getting the advancement of eSIM cards and the SIM cards. And you know, these are you know predefined cards that have two gig on them. You know, life is great. Well now you've got operating systems that aren't necessarily secured to the best of, of, of the ability, but they also have their own entry point. They have their own door to the world. <laughs> and so uh, it's going to continue to cause complexities, but I think what you're going to do is you're going to find that edge computing and edge security, cloud computing, cloud security is going to become that much more important because you're not going to have your traditional enterprise network based controls. That's just not gonna work.
0: Yeah. Now, all right, no, not that this may not apply to everybody, but I'm just throwing it out there, right? Cause we are all looking at different things out there and different types of technology that you can bring in. It's just again, just something to think about, I guess is what I was kind of throwing out in the in the pond if if you guys want to call it that. But um, I guess if you were to take a step back and you were to say, I'm gonna tell you one thing that I would recommend your business about how to, how to enhance your security posture, what would that one thing be that you would be, you'd be focused on?
1: It's interesting. The one thing I would say is you got to be honest, just be honest with yourself, depending on wherever you are in the organization. um, You can't, you can't lie about security. It will catch up with you. So if you start with Being honest about where you are in your, in in your, maybe your maturity model, whether you even have one or not, being honest with the board on where, where you feel like you might be, you know, as far as your security posture and have a third party give you feedback that whole, you know, 360 feedback concept and having assessments done by other groups, working with um, outside parties just to get a a good pulse. You know, a lot of times executives will be, Hey, what are we doing about ransomware? And they'll be in a room together, and everyone will say, "Well, we've got you know antivirus, and we've got a firewall." Okay, you'll you'll convince yourselves that that you're fine, but you know, a good company will pay someone to come in and say, "Hey, how 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 are we looking for ransomware?" Well, to be honest, your backups are on your same VLAN. So if you if you know if you get hit with ransomware, you're gonna have these issues. You know, maybe you don't have good firewall rules. They're gonna they're gonna look deeper, and they're gonna help you know truthfully where your exposure is, which. If you're honest with yourself, you want Mm -hmm. to know those questions and then you can deal with reality.
0: And I think that honesty, that's a great piece of feedback there. Just being honest, because I think it's very easy to be complacent and comfortable, but there are a lot of options out there to help these businesses, right? That you all serve and RCS secure is amazing. Um, Kind of got me thinking though, like who is kind of driving this within the company to say, Hey, we need to do something.
1: Definitely. Generally, even a it's either a, C, a CEO that just wants to be proactive, um, or the board's asking for it. For a lot of financial groups, we do you know we do a lot of assessment work for a number of financial groups for regulatory compliance, for PCI, for HIPAA, any of that stuff. You're going to have requirements for regular auditing, but even just if you don't have those requirements, doing a basic NIST assessment, um, m- multiple companies provide it. I recommend having a company coming in and do your assessments and then maybe a different company doing your remediation strategy. And then, you know, maybe letting the one side come and say, Hey, did you get this all done? Or in some cases your internal group does the remediation and then somebody else comes and measures them just because it's a good check and balance system. Yeah. Um, and then do it I, on a routine basis.
0: I, I think that's a great point. And one of the things that, you know, I've heard from Ivan Painter, who's been on the show before, he's a good mutual friend of both of ours. Um, I know obviously yourself and some other security leaders I talk to, it's become more complicated and it doesn't, it's not going to slow down. That's for sure. Um, And, you know, when you get into remediation, you know, that that's a whole nother ball of wax as to how you're going to take something down quickly. You know, minutes do count in this situation and you know, you need to jump on things quickly.
1: The concept of, of response so yeah. you you have the the 365 24 7 monitoring, alerting, all of that. Look at what's going on in the world today, right? And, and just be honest with ourselves. Of you know, when you look at not just the political landscape, but you look at what's going on with the Ukraine and that whole group. And you know, seriously, a cyber attack is is not an un, or, or cyber war is not an unfathomable thing to to think about. Do you want to be the company that's sitting around saying, hey, what do we do in the event that something happens? Or do you want to be in a position where you feel comfortable that people are watching things going on and, and responding in the, in the correct way? You don't want to be out there on your own uh, yeah. in the event of something like that, especially a widespread attack that that is really malicious.
0: So when you actually get into that scenario now and we have a problem or we're thinking we have a problem, you know, when you get into incident response and what the approach is for incident response, you know, what's any recommendations or, or things that you've seen is best practices at how you go after a problem that has now been identified?
1: Obviously the, the frequency of attacks has gone up tremendously. I think, you know, it's the tools that even younger generations have access to, to provide things like ransomware are are very easy. Ransomware is a service that actually exists. Right, these these things are easy for people to get a hold of, and so the, the frequency has gone up. But it, going back to what we were saying a little bit earlier about the different types of companies, so anybody has email, anybody has an internet connection, anybody is vulnerable now. And so, you know, mom and pop shops, the the you know service there's there's industries that service larger industries, and so maybe they're providing some kind of textile service or something of that nature. Um, it's very simple for someone to put an email forwarder on their system. You know, once that email forwards on, they're just watching and waiting, uh, waiting for a PO to go out. They'll copy the PO. Uh, we see this happen quite a bit, and um, and going back to kind of just touching on continuous compliance again, that applies to every layer. You know, you think of concepts like miter attack. This is the idea of defense in depth, and so at every layer of the technology stack, you're having to pr- produce defense controls, and so email being one of those major ones. I'll tell you, we have seen uh, a huge reduction of what I would call exposure just by implementing basic Office 365 controls, you know, two-factor right. authentication. Some of the things that, you know, it's, it's table stakes. But if you're not, uh, a, you know, a butcher and <laughs> maybe you're a vegetarian, you don't eat table stakes. So unless somebody's there to tell you that it's important, or Mm -hmm. unless you understand that it's important, you're not going to know. And the only way that you learn that lesson is if you've lost, you know, half a million dollars because you had poor email security. And it's sad. And we've seen this a couple of times over the last few months.
0: I guess that kind of brings us back to one thing around practices and such. And and one thing that is out there around helping defend yourself is around cybersecurity insurance and how do you stay compliant? Because the one thing is there's definitely – a lot of scrutinization, and rightfully so, for people that just don't follow any practices whatsoever. But you know, what about the cyber insurance uh, approach to ensure that you're actually going to be covered for that next renewal, or when you actually decided, hey, I actually need to get coverage. Anything you can share on this front, and any guidance?
1: finding out that you don't have coverage on your cyber insurance after you've had an issue it's not a fun event. We've seen that happen to people and it's just basics, right? Like you said, so, well, your cyber insurance policy, people, if they read it says, hey, you gotta do X, Y, and Z. And so we have a practice where we go in and we help people do cybersecurity assessments on their insurance specifically. So we'll go through their insurance policy, we'll look at what they're insuring, the level of liability, and then we'll look at what the requirements from their insurance company, I don't think in the two years we've been doing this, we've ever had a company that's been like, oh yeah, we're doing all those things. There's always a remediation. There's always a gap to close. And so for every client that we're able to help close that gap, whether it's quarterly scans, whether it's like you said, two-factor authentication, really depends on the level of insurance and what they're requiring you to do. It's very helpful to make sure the companies are in a good place when you walk away, because that's a disaster waiting to happen. One, they're paying for something they don't fully understand. is is not necessarily covering them. Uh, But then on the flip side, it's kind of a twofer. When you go to use it, you're usually not in a good situation to begin with. So um, lots of experience there. More than happy to help anybody with those scenarios, even just give advice. But I always encourage people to really look at their cybersecurity insurance policy requirements Mm -hmm. because most people don't.
0: So there's so much going on in the world right now, specifically around cyber war. You're hearing quite a bit about that. And- seems like really that's the thing but i know you have some things to share on
1: no point. it's ab- absolutely real real beyond belief like i said i've been working in the industry for over 20 plus years and even at the start some of the stories of of you know government sponsored campaigns and you know working for the department of defense for the first 6 years of my career you get a lot of exposure to some interesting things and then going beyond that to retail. And and what I would tell you is, is you really get an appreciation for American law. <laughs> um, right. And yep. with the way that the world's going now, when I think with the political atmosphere, I don't think it's unfathomable to, to realize that we're getting ready to start a, a rather large cyber war. Uh, I just think that's next evolution, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but but you look at what's going on in the Ukraine, you look at what's going on with Russia and you look at some of the just typically where a lot of our problems come from, I think you're you're, you're, you're kidding yourself if you don't think this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Policy aside, government-sponsored and state-sponsored programs, uh, they don't care about the law. They never go, they're never they never going to. And so you just got to realize that not only do you have to do your due diligence to meet your com- regular, regulatory compliance needs, that's not going to be enough. You're still going to have cybersecurity threats at a whole new level. Hmm. You're still going to be continuously updating things gonna be continuously fighting fights and continuously having to defend against an ever changing and ever evolving enemy.
0: Wow. Okay. Randall, thanks for joining me on Optech Insights. I can't I can't thank you enough for that. I know there's a, just such a big topic here around around cybersecurity, what you're doing, and I've learned a lot. But just the honesty part and what your policy is around continuous compliance. And and what you do around that as a business, part of it's having a a strategy, a plan, and play. So you're ensuring that your environment is safe. But you know the other part too is to to lean on lean on companies like RCS Secure to help you. There's many options out there, but I would I would encourage you to 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 kind of see what RCS Secure is doing. You can you can get to their their website from Interlink. Keep an eye on what Randall's doing on LinkedIn. His link will be in there as well. But uh, most important is to to have a plan and to be looking into what you're going to do to ensure your business is secure. Thank you audience for tuning in today to listen to Optech Insights and all the great things we cover today. There's a lot of new content we have coming out in the next couple of weeks. You'll be seeing a number of different types of new episodes are releasing and ongoing throughout the rest of the year. So stay tuned, stay tuned, Hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. We'll be seeing you real soon on Optech Insights. Thanks for joining us.